Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. This is Erin Carey, and I cannot wait for you to hear today's episode with one of my past guests, Steve Welch. We are going to talk all things holiday survival, but before we get to that, I want to give a thank you to our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Swanson Health. Swanson Health offers a full spectrum of wellness products for mind, body, and home. They carry over 18,000 wellness products at a great value. You can pick up all of your favorite health products plus discover new ones for your wellness routine and if you want to try any of Swanson Health's great products for yourself use the code whole20 and that's spelled w-h-o-l-e-2-0 for 20% off site-wide and free shipping on orders $50 or more on swanson.com and I gotta tell you just about an hour ago, I needed a little snack, and so I picked up the Real Food Whey Chocolate Protein Powder. It's a chocolate ice cream flavor, and Swanson Real Food Formulas are sourced from real foods. No artificial flavors or colors. It's a decadent ice cream flavored whey protein that supports energy and satiety, which we love on this show. We talk about a lot. So, If you want to try any of Swanson Health's great products for yourself, use the code WHOLE20, that's spelled W-H-O-L-E-2-0, for 20% off site-wide and free shipping on orders $50 or more on Swanson.com. So definitely go check them out, and I know you are going to love it. You will also love that chocolate ice cream whey protein. It's delicious. So let me tell you a little bit about Steve. We've had him on the show before. I want to welcome him to the show again. Steve Welch is a National Exercise and Sports Trainers Association certified fitness nutrition coach, as well as the former publisher of the world-renowned medical journal Chest, and he has held multiple key executive roles at the American College of Chest Physicians during his 25-year career with the medical or education organization, which culminated with him serving as its executive vice president and CEO. His background in medical publishing has provided him with insights into assessing medical and nutrition research, which he uses to help educate others to improve their own health and fitness. He is the co-author of the fabulous new book, The Ketogenic Key, Unlock the Secrets to Lose Weight, Slow Aging, Stop Inflammation and Prevent Disease, which breaks down how ketogenic nutrition, intermittent fasting, ketone supplementation, and exercise can optimize your health by helping you achieve and maintain a state of ketosis. So I am really excited to have Steve on the show again. This is a treat. And thank you, Steve. Welcome back to the show. Oh my gosh, Aaron, thanks for having me back. I'm really excited to do part two. Me too. So last time we talked, we 
just kind of really got into the world of fat and why fat is good and why we want more fat in our lives <laughs> and, and all about cholesterol and all of that. Well, this time we are in, in, entering into a holiday season during very different circumstances. So we have our usual holiday stress, lots of sugar, lots of carbs. You know, people are not wanting to exercise as, as much because it's cold outside. But on top of that, we have this whole weight of COVID still. And so I really want to dive into your knowledge uh, because I just, I think you have so, so many interesting things to offer. So um, yeah, so, you know, with holidays coming up, how do you anticipate, um, like, let's just talk normal holidays, right? Like, let's take COVID out of the equation. <laughs> um, what, what are <laughs> right. typically the struggles for people during the holidays that you see? Well, sure. You know, um, I mean, typically when, when we're all in, if you're in an office, you know, you've got that situation where there's always somebody bringing treats and, and snacks and all those things in. But now we're kind of in a different situation where we're at home, right? And so we're the ones bringing the snacks and those things and that stuff into our house. And so I think the first thing for people to think about as we're entering this stretch of time and they're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm gaining, I've gained some weight maybe during COVID or I'm worried I'm going to gain weight is, you know, you are in control of what comes into your home, right? So, so just get, you know, if you don't have the junk and the snacks and all that stuff that you bring in, then it's not going to be there to, to, to tempt you. Now that said, you know, well-meaning neighbors and friends and family members often bring those things in. And so the, the thing I try to talk to people about, and I've always tried to advocate for is, you know, I, I, I'm not one of these zero tolerance people, like you can never eat X. Um, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, moderation is important. And also, being strict, you know, 90, 95% of the time in terms of really being disciplined and eating good whole foods. And I think if you're trying to avoid sugar and all those kind of things are going to create, you know, um, weight gain, they're going to cause chronic inflammation, uh, they make you hungrier, um, you know, you want to try to avoid those sugary foods. And the way to do that is to eat good whole foods, eat fat, like we talked about in the last podcast, where you know, don't be afraid of fat. Good, healthy fats are really good for you, and they're very satiating, so you don't feel hungry all the time. And that's one of those things, is, is you're trying to manage that feeling of hunger, um, and also trying to avoid eating and snacking because you're bored. And, and I think by eating yeah. good, healthy, whole foods with fat, you kind of avoid part of that trap. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think a lot of times we get caught up in that whole, oh no, there's, you know, a plate of brownies or cookies or whatever. I, I can't have that. Instead of thinking about what we can fuel ourselves with, because when we are, like you mentioned, when we're fueling ourselves on nutrient dense foods and lots of good fat, lots of good protein, we're probably not going to be craving as, as much of the other things, right? Like that's, that's mm -hmm, my experience. That's what I found. Is that something that you found to be true, especially, you know, with intermittent fasting and, and lowering your carb load and everything? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, for people who practice intermittent fasting, I think it's such a great thing because it does a couple of things for you. Number one, it, it gets you used to the idea of being hungry. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a little bit hungry. We have been sort of conditioned since we were kids. Like as soon as you're hungry, oh, my gosh, we got to eat something. We got to drink something or whatever that is. And, you know, as, as we 
you know, realize some of those habits become unhealthy, especially if we're not eating the good things all the time. Um, then, you know, getting, getting comfortable with the fact that you just don't, you, you don't eat for periods of time. It's, it's very liberating from a discipline standpoint because you know, you can do it. I, you know, I, I, I'm not starving. I'm a little hungry, but I can, I, I can wait another two, three hours before I eat something. And, you know, so, so I, I always encourage people to try fasting if they haven't done it. Um, but, you know, on top of that too, it's just that, you know, understanding why you get hungry and what you can do about it, I think is really important, you know, and, and there's a hormonal aspect to hunger. Mm, you know, that, yeah. the, 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 you know, there's leptin and there's, um, uh, gr- gr- uh, ghrelin, which, which control sort of our appetite and our hunger and our feelings of being satiated after we eat. And what's really interesting is, you know, what going back to sort of my research days is, you know, the science really shows very, very wholeheartedly that when you're eating a higher fat or a ketogenic diet, you just don't get as hungry. And part of that is because of the fact that, you know, you're, you're being satiated by those, those healthy fats that I mentioned earlier. But the other part is when you eat fat, you know, all of you, almost all of your hormones are derived from fat. And so you're really optimizing your hormone balance. And that includes those hormones that control hunger and your appetite and your sense of being full. And so if you're eating the right kind of foods and the right kind of fats, it kind of flips the switch to sort of turn off some of those hunger hormones, which is a great thing. Yeah. Um, and the other, th- and the other thing is that science has also shown very clearly that when you have um, C-reactive protein, CRP, which is a, a marker of inflammations. So if you ever talk to people about they're testing their inflammatory markers and things like that, CRP is simply the thing that they're testing. It, 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 there's been uh, studies that have shown that in overweight people, you know, we know that there's this cycle where, you know, if you're eating unhealthy food, you're increasing your inflammation. Well, that, that elevation of your inflammatory markers also worsens leptin resistance, which is, yes. you know, really, it creates that cycle of you're, you're, you're suppressing that hormone that signals your body to stop eating. And so you keep overeating which then feeds into the additional inflammation. And it's like this vicious cycle. And so breaking that cycle is really important for for getting past that. And and that's by eating healthy, non-inflammatory foods. Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned. Yeah. No, I'm so glad you mentioned. I want to go back to that really fast to explain to people leptin and ghrelin. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's something that not a lot of people realize is the more fat cells we have, the more we don't get those signals that we're full, right? Right. Like that it's right. time to stop eating. So can you explain that leptin in relation to ghrelin a little bit real fast? Yeah. So ghrelin is the hunger hormone. That's the hormone that causes your, you to increase your appetite. And in fact, when you eat fats or when you're on a ketogenic diet, that there's, you know, studies have shown that, that it suppresses ghrelin. So your, your, that hormone that causes your appetite uh, to increase gets suppressed, which is good because then you're not hungry all the time. And then the other piece of it is, you know, leptin and leptin is the hormone that tells you to stop eating. And what happens when you're, when, when you have high levels of inflammation is it suppresses that hormone. So your body's not getting that signal to stop eating. And so you keep feeling hungry. You feel like you've got to eat and you keep, you're still hungry. So you feel like you got to eat and, and it's getting past those, those hormone signals on one 
one sense, you know, and then also, like I said before, if you're a person who's practicing intermittent fasting and you get used to not eating for a period of time, it just makes it a lot easier to sort of, even if you don't do end up with some of those hormone signals, it makes it easier to ignore them. But it's really important that you understand how to, you know, that basically you can suppress your, your ghrelin. um, So you're not feeling hungry all the time. And you also want to, you know, make sure that your body is being sensitive to the to leptin, which tells you to stop eating. And but those two things get out, once when they get out of whack, you just get into this vicious cycle of being hungry and then not feeling full, even though you've yep. eaten. And so that's yep. it's a really important uh, aspect to hormone health and to the way that inflammation and poor eating habits can contribute to the suppression uh, of those hormones, which are important. Yeah. And I've even found when I'm not getting enough of those whole food nutrients that I know my body needs, like mm-hmm. if I have, if I eat out at a restaurant, for example, and I'm, you know, let's give the example of I'm in Texas tacos. I'm having tacos with tortillas. Yeah. Right. Tortillas, meat, whatever. And I'm not, there's not a whole lot, but if I'm not getting all the vegetables I normally get and, and the good, you know, avocado fat, all of that, like I notice I'm, pretty hungry soon after. I think it's because my body needed more nutrients than I gave it. I gave it more of just kind of the simple carbs. And so Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. I think that that's another thing about intermittent fasting and, you know, be eating more fat and being more in tune to that is because it can, it can help us to know, now, wait a minute, what do I actually need right now? Instead of that momentary, I'm stressed, I'm, you know, upset. What can I grab for, for a quick pick me up? Um, It's kind of like, I'm actually listening to my body right now. And I think that's important. Definitely. And, and certainly we know that, you know, eating sweets and, and, you know, processed simple carbohydrates, whether it's bread and, and those things, you know, they, it just hits your body so quickly. It spikes yeah. your blood sugar. It makes your insulin uh, release, go out and try to get the glucose out of your bloodstream, which then causes a crash. And so mm-hmm. you've got these energy highs and lows when you eat those sort of processed foods and those carby meals that you won't get when you're, if you're eating, uh, a, a, eating more fat and less carbs, you know, it's like your energy levels get, uh, much more stabilized and, and that sense of hunger and appetite also gets better stabilized. Yeah. And I will say, I got to share a quick story because yeah. I finally got my husband to try intermittent fasting. Finally, uh-huh. after who knows how many years of me talking about it. <laughs> um, and he, the other day he's told me, he was like, Hey, he's like, it's, this is really weird. He's like, when I eat now, I'm, I'm full really quickly. And I'm, I just am not craving, you know, carbs and sugar the way I was before. He's like, is that, is that an intermittent fasting thing? That's just really weird. And I was like, you know what? I I think, I think we're biohacking your hunger hormones. (laughs) I think that's what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, isn't it funny when you get to the point where you're not hungry all the time and you go, this is really weird. It's like, no, that's normal. That's the way your body is supposed to work. (laughs) And it's like you said, it's liberating, right? It's freeing to go, oh, I don't have to think about food all the time because that wastes a lot of brain space. I got plenty of other things I need to do, especially during the holidays, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. So what about, you know, on the topic of leptin and ghrelin while while we're there, does, how does exercise play a role in that? Does that, because I know it can help with insulin sensitivity. So can it also affect our hunger hormones? 
Yeah, definitely. There are, there are some studies that show that the same thing that, you know, exercise can help to regulate that balance. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about exercise because I think yeah. that's something also that we don't, um, you know, we don't always take into the, into the equation, not just for hunger, um, but also just for your, your mood for, mm-hmm. um, you know, get, you're just feeling better, being more energetic. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we've known for a long time, people have always said, oh, you know, endurance, uh, when you do endurance sports and, and things like that, that it causes these feelings of well-being and all that. Well, what's really interesting and, you know, lifting mood um, because it sort of triggers, um, you know, the chemicals in your brain that are sort of part of the, part of the pleasure center and reward system um, hormones and, and, and chemicals that hit your system. So, when you're exercising, it's interesting, strength training with resistance training. And I, I don't mean like you have to be hardcore power lifter, but I mean using weights and machines and things like that for resistance training has also now been shown to help increase those, those chemicals and to help lift mood, to make you feel more positive and to feel better. And I think it's really important that, that people realize that because it's that strength training that, that, you know, they're even calling it like one of the most underutilized antidepressants and that it mm. actually has what they call, would consider antidepressive um, um, attributes. And so, you know, that, 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 that don't forget the exercise component of things. I mean, obviously what you eat is incredibly important. And we always say, you know, when you're trying to get lean or you're trying to lose weight or whatever, that food's 80% of the battle, but you know, exercise is so important. And, um, it's funny though, that, you know, strength training is good. We know it's healthy for you, but I also tell people don't discount the value and the impact of something as simple as a post meal walk. Mm. And I know, and I want to talk a little bit about that because there's also been some really interesting science coming out and they, and you'll see these studies and, you know, this is, I, I try to break this stuff down for people because when you see these terms, people have no idea post a post prandial, walk and like, what's that mean? You know, well, post postprandial means after the meal. Um, it's like, you know, cause if you, if you're a researcher, you've got to create an entire vocabulary that nobody can understand. So that it sounds really, really scientific, but really what it means is when you do, when you, when you walk after a meal, um, it, it actually stabilizes your blood glucose and doesn't keep your, your blood glucose from going as high as it would if you didn't take that walk. And yeah. so when people are talking about trying to manage their energy levels, their hormone levels, their blood sugar levels, um, you know, especially when we're talking to people who might have uh, obesity or type 2 diabetes or insulin resistance, a post-meal walk can be incredibly valuable and have a lot of really positive benefits. So I, I, I encourage people, take a walk after your meal. That's really good for you. And, you know, what's so funny about that is I think for so many people, something as simple as that is so hard, right? Like I, I, for me, like I depend on my, my exercise routine. Like that is what keeps my Mm -hmm. dopamine going. Like that is how Mm -hmm. I have stayed afloat throughout the last, you know, six, we're almost seven months in now, however many months it's been. Um, But it's interesting when I talk to people, they're like, Oh, I know I need to work out. I know I need to, but I think we overcomplicate it. And you're saying just a post-meal walk. Like how, how many minutes are we talking for post-meal walk? A 20 to 30 minute walk. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's not bad at all. 
Yeah, I think the study, I, I don't have it right in front of me, I think the study was on a 30-minute uh, post-meal walk. Um, but I also know um, there's, a, there's a really well-known researcher by the name of Dominic D'Agostino, and he's one of these pioneers who's done all this, all this investigation into ketones and their the things. And he's been doing these, um, so he's kind of been using himself as a guinea pig lately, and I've been following his, his postings. And he's got a 24-hour blood glucose monitor hooked up to him. And mm. he's, been eating, he's been eating all kinds of things and then showing the spike of the blood sugar after he eats a certain kind of a meal. Um, but then what he's also done is he's compared eating a meal and not doing a walk and then the next day doing the, eating the exact same meal and going for a walk and showing a side-by-side -side comparison. And it's amazing how much lower his blood glucose is when he does the walk. He doesn't get the big spike afterwards, even if he eats wow. a meal that has, you know, a, a decent amount of carbs. And so I think that's a valuable lesson for people to, to think about and to learn is, you know, I, you don't have to be a gym rat to, to do good things from an activity standpoint for your body. Something as simple as a walk after your meals can be incredibly beneficial. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when we're talking about, how we've seen COVID impact people who are pre-diabetic or who struggle with, with blood sugar like this, this is really important information. This is super helpful for a lot of people. Well, it's something anybody can do, you know, it's, as long as, I mean, if you, granted, as long as you're mobile and you can walk, I mean, there's no reason you can't do that. You know, your, your gym may be closed because of COVID or you may not want to go there because you're afraid of being exposed to people who have things, whatever it is, but anybody can go outside and walk uh, after yeah. a meal, you know, weather permitting and, and it's, um, and, and if they're physically able to, and holy cow, can it be good for you? So I, that's yeah. something I would encourage people to get in the habit of doing, you know, it's like, I think our grandparents probably did stuff like that back in their day and didn't think twice about it. Now we're finding out, Oh, well, guess what? It was really, it's really good for you too. It's not just something that you do because what else did you, you know, what else did they do 60, 70 years ago? Yeah, that's so true. And I think people in other countries do that a lot better than we do as well. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're quick yeah. to turn on the Netflix or whatever, right? Like, right. Just, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you move from the from the dining room table over to the couch and and you know mm -hmm. turn the TV on. Yeah, you know, go for a thirty minute walk. You know how much better you'll feel, and you'll be doing your body and your brain a whole bunch of good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I do. You know, I think right now I'm I'm concerned about everybody's mental health because this is just a really hard year. But I think seasonally, when we talk about you know the holidays coming up, and it's so hard for people in general, whether it's because they have seasonal depression, tendency toward depression, or maybe they have loved ones that have passed throughout the year. You know, it's just a reminder of who's not here. And it can really throw a lot of people into the pit. And exercise is, is such a good, I mean, well, let, let's get a little bit more into that because we talked about strength training being great. Um, and cardio, you know, like I know I feel better <laughs> when I'm doing cardio. What, yeah. what is it actually doing for our brains when we're, even when we're doing a variety of different exercises? Well, you're, well, it's doing a lot of good things for me. I mean, obviously when you're exercising, you're increasing blood flow, right? And anytime, anytime you increase blood flow to the organs in your body, it's a good thing to your muscles, to your skin, to your brain. And, you know, all those things benefit from exercise and, and, you know, that's how we deliver nutrients and hormones and, 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 you know, clean things out and, and all that. So that's one of the reasons. And it also makes us sweat. And of course, you know, sweat, we sweat out a lot of, 
uh, impurities and toxins and things like that. So exercise has so many benefits if you, if you do it and you do it consistently. Um, of course, you know, we know that by exercising, we're also optimizing some of those chemicals, like you mentioned earlier, dopamine and, and things that, that hit our brain reward and pleasure centers and make us feel good. Um, you know, you get talk about people who get the runners high after they go for a run because their endorphins are, are, are just, you know, running through their body. And it turns out that, you know, intense exercise of any kind, not just in endurance uh, training like running, can cause that endorphin high. And then you have the fact that, you know, these things also help to, again, keep your blood sugar stabilized and doing good things for these hormones that uh, help control your, your hunger and all those things. It, it all kind of ties together. And when you couple that, that activity and exercise with healthier eating and, and eating foods that are good for your brain and good for your mood, because we've, you know, we talked a little bit about that in the first uh, podcast about fats and brain health and, and the fact that uh, there is a lot of research out there that suggests that eating more fat can be beneficial to your brain and to your mood. So when you couple all these things you know, together, it, it, it really can have a, a significant benefit and help people as they're trying to, to get through the holidays and maybe a time that um, you know, might, might bring on some negative feelings or negative mood for them. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like it's one of those things that that this needs to be, you know, a non-negotiable, right? Like we've yeah. got to try to keep our bodies moving throughout this time. It's because it's sometimes the first thing that goes, it's like, oh, I'm so busy. I have to go run this errand. I have to go make sure this is ready. And maybe that'll be different this year because we probably, I'm thinking we probably won't have as many, you know, parties, holiday parties and things to go to as in years past, but it doesn't mean right, right. it's it's still not going to be hectic to some extent. So, um, yeah, so we've got to make the time for that. So help me <laughs> solve this ongoing debate, which is fasted workouts. We hear so much back and forth, like, oh, you need to, you know, fuel your workout with this, you know, macronutrient or this portion size or, but what about not eating before a workout? Is that helpful? Right. So, well, you know, it, it, the answer is yes and no and yes and no. And, and it depends. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Um, you know, obviously if you're, if you're exercising really hard, especially if you're an athlete and you're in performance, of course, and you know, this is one of the things that they drill in when you, you get educated as a nutrition coach is it really, it's really important to provide people with um, the right kind of fuel uh, before, during, and after their workout, right? Because you want to prime, you want to kind of prime the body. You want something in the body while they're doing the exercise. And then you want the, the post-workout nutrition that will help replenish the things that, that you've burned off when you're exercising. And so, you know, there, there's definitely uh, an argument. There's definitely science that shows that, you know, eating the right kind of nutrients and the right mix of carbohydrates and, and protein before and after a workout uh, is very, very beneficial to both performance and recovery. We also know how important electrolytes are. So, you know, from that standpoint, absolutely, I encourage people to, um, you know, to uh, fuel their workouts. But, <laughs> but at the same time, let's say you're really trying to, to lose fat, or let's say you've already been doing keto for a while, and you're what I would call fat adapted. And, you know, you're, which means you've already gotten your body to the point where you can use fat for fuel. 
Um, in that case, I think fasted workouts work really well. I know they work for me really well because I've, I've done them. I've experimented with this. So I'm an N of one, but I can speak from my own experiences that when is that I, I do fasted workouts all the time and I just feel like I get a little extra um, kind of boost into ketosis because if there's any glucose in my system, I'm burning it off during the mm. workout. Um, yeah. and, I'm, and, and if you're in a state of ketosis or supplementing with exogenous ketones, they're muscle sparing. So it kind of, you try to keep, keeps your body from necessarily breaking down muscle tissue to look for energy. Um, your body will use the ketones, your body will use your body fat, or your body will use the fat that you've consumed as, as part of your diet for energy. And so, you know, and, and we know that those fats circulate for a while um, and they also provide quite a bit of, of caloric density. And so, you know, in, in, in those cases, if, if that's kind of what you're doing, if you're low carbing or ketoing, um, I think fasted workouts can, can work really well for you. Um, but you know, it, it really de kind of depends on what your goal is and what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, you know, if you're a performance athlete or you're really trying to, um, uh, you know, excel at a sport or a certain type of thing, then I would definitely encourage fueled workouts. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah, it kind totally of... makes sense. It's helpful. So for somebody who just wants to like maybe even maintain their weight throughout the holidays, right? Um, and, and, and during this time where life is just so crazy, then doing a fasted workout could be helpful because if you have eaten something, your body's going to try to burn off that glucose first, right? Of, of whatever. And then it's going to tap into the fat stores after it's already burnt, burned through the glucose. Is that correct? Is that the right process? Yeah. I mean, depending, yeah, depending on what you've consumed. Yeah, that's correct. And there's certain, you know, you, you want to eat certain types of, of, of carbohydrates so that your body will, um, you know, utilize them versus storing them. Um, and the other thing is, you know, you want to try to uh, make sure that then you're you're also getting to the point where once your body uses that, those glycogen stores, at some point you want to tap into your body fat for fuel. Right. Um, and, yeah. I, and, I, you know, and I do think that you know, fasted workouts can help you with that if you're trying to lose weight and lose fat. Um, and I'm sure there are, you know, there, but I've, you know, there are other you know, exercise gurus who will say, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. And part of me, I always encourage people, try it and see how you feel. If you feel good doing it, then, then do it. You know, if, if, if you, if, if you get really tired and exhausted from doing a fasted workout, well, then you're probably, you know, then you, your body isn't ready for you to do that type of thing. I encourage you to yeah. then, you know, do, do, you know, make sure that you've eaten a little something beforehand, um, or that you're using, uh, like one of those, you know, intra workout, you know, drinks. Um, you know, I'm, I, mm -hmm. again, I'm a big proponent of exogenous ketones. So, you know, the thing that I do is I typically, drink ketones prior to my workout and okay. sometimes have them during my workout because it's a you know, very readily available energy source if you're already uh, you know, in, in a state of ketosis, um, but it's not something that's going to add, uh, it's not going to convert to glucose, it's not going to spike your blood sugar, and it's not going to uh, you know, get, get smacked onto your, your body as body fat. Yeah, no, that's, that's super helpful. And what about what we should be eating afterwards? Because I've found that I, when I have do a strength workout, <laughs> I am a lot hungrier afterwards yeah. than if I just do cardio, which is funny. I used to think it would be the opposite, right? Cause you would think that you're burning more energy, I guess, like using up more energy for cardio for hit or something, but man, those strength workouts kind of catch up to me. So how, what's the right way to fuel ourselves after we work out? 
Well, you know, when, uh, when I wasn't doing low carb, I would typically have, you know, a mixture of protein and carbohydrates, um, you know, and, and, um, uh, and not, not a lot of fat. <clears throat> you know, now my, my typical post-workout meal is, you know, I'm, not, I'm a big bacon and eggs person or eggs and avocado. Um, you know, but I like having that protein after I've been doing resistance training because I feel like, you know, that's what your body needs to fuel itself and to begin to repair the tissue that you're breaking down. And, um, you know, if you've been doing a really intense workout, if, if you're not keto, you know, you've, you've expended all of your uh, glycogen stores and everything in your muscles, then you're going to want to take some kind of a carbohydrate. The thing that's important for people to understand, and we, again, going back to our first podcast, we talked a little bit about this, is you don't, you, the thing is you want to try to avoid eating carbohydrates and fats together. Because, mm-hmm. of course, carbohydrates will spike your blood sugar. And, you know, and, and, and basically, you know, your, your body will release insulin and insulin is a fat storage hormone. Um, so you don't want to get that, that you, you don't want to have those carbs and those fats at the same time. You want to have carbs and protein together or you want to have fat and protein together. And yeah. so that's why, you know, that's where for me, like an, an eggs and avocado is a perfect meal because it's got protein and it's got fats. Um, you know, plus, you know, you want to get electrolytes because if you've been sweating a lot, you need to get those electrolytes back in your system so that you don't cramp and you keep your uh, electrolyte balances good because uh, a lot of the things that we experience sometimes that we think are, um, depression or being tired or, mm-hmm. uh, being lethargic can also be traced back to, uh, electrolyte deficiencies in magnesium oh, and, and yeah. sodium and, and, uh, potassium and things like that. So, um, you know, a good meal that replenishes those things, uh, is, is really what I encourage people to eat after a workout. That's, and you know, it, it, it tastes delicious too. Eggs and avocado are <laughs> like the perfect combination. So, oh yeah. <laughs> also yeah. That. Put a little Cholula sauce on there. Get yep. that avocado, mm-hmm. soak up that hot sauce. I'm all over it. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah. No, that's oh, yeah. super yeah. helpful information. Um, you talked a little bit, you mentioned briefly, we got into the topic of, ketones. I would love to, I know you're really up to date on the most recent science with COVID and, you know, we've got, we still have all these concerns. We want to keep our immune system strong and everything. And we've got the holidays coming up. We're going to be gathering with family probably, and we want to do that safely. Um, But how can we optimize our immune systems and immune function and how do ketones play a role in that? Oh gosh, yeah, that's. I'm glad you mentioned that because there's been some really interesting science that's been coming out about, um, you know, basically, you know, the importance of eating the right kind of meal on your immune system. Well, it's interesting because uh, just I think it was last week um, there was a study that hit and it talked about proposing a ketone-based metabolic therapy as a treatment for COVID-19 for, um, because and, and I'll, t- I'll try, to try to explain this in a way that keeps it simple. Basically, when people have COVID-19, they typically have a very massive immune response. They call mm-hmm. it the cytokine storm. And what yeah. happens is when you get sick with it, it just causes this massive inflammatory response. Well, the, you know, for years, we've known that, that clinically, the ketone beta hydroxybutyrate does suppress inflammation 
and you know, you know, especially NLRP3 inflammasome mediated inflammation. And so there's been a lot of hypothesis now as people have looked at different um, ways to treat this and to try to quell that, um, that initial cytokine storm in COVID that there may be a role for ketones or, or, or you know, ketogenic lifestyle, ketogenic diet, those types of things. Um, because your body's kind of in this anti-inflammatory state, if you're if that's the way that you're eating, and that it could be beneficial. And so there's just about to be some um, clinical trials started about that. So I'm really excited to see wow. what those clinical trials show, um, because if they if they show that there's some benefit, that's a kind of a I mean it's it's groundbreaking. I mean it's not it's not a cure, but it, it, anything you can do to help mitigate that initial you know, inflammation storm or cytokine storm that hits is kind of, I think, what, what a lot of physicians feel is a key to then keeping the disease manageable and not yeah. getting to the point where it overtakes things and people begin to need ventilators or they're having organ failure or the things that lead to really poor outcomes for people. And so um, there's that piece of it. The other piece is, you know, there's some really interesting research back in December of 2019 where uh, a bunch of researchers looked at uh, people using a ketogenic diet and it looked at their, um, their, their basically their helper T cell uh, levels, which are oh. cells that fight uh, invading uh, viruses. And what they found was in models of influenza that the ketogenic diet group tended to have a much higher level of these, of these, you know, helper T cells that would then, um, that, that really created lesser symptoms over a shorter period of time for the people who, uh, for, for the, for the subjects that had influenza. And what was really interesting too is, is they even, uh, they compared a group of people eating a normal diet. They had people doing a ketogenic diet. They had a group of people using a ketone supplement and they had a group of people using the ketogenic diet plus the supplement. And what was really interesting about this study, even though I'm a big proponent of supplemental ketones was it, the people who the, the patient, the subjects who were on the ketogenic diet did the best. Oh, wow. And, and, and so there's, there's something about that, that intake of fat and that process of converting those fatty acids and the ketones that, that also must have a role that, and the, 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 the researchers didn't know what that mechanism was. It's sort of like, well, this is where we need some follow-up research to figure out, well, why was it that the, this group did better than the, if, then it's, it's not just the presence of ketones. It's also something about the dietary thing. So it goes back to the fact that nutrition is important. Right. I mean, that's where I you know, try to always tell people, you know, that no matter what supplements you take, you, your core nutrition needs to be sound yeah. and and anti-inflammatory and healthy for your body and brain. And that's what we know that low carbon and good, healthy fats will do for you. Yes. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I, you know, it's funny, I as you're saying that I'm like, man, I've had two years ago, two of my family members got the flu. I never got it. Last year, two more family members got the flu. I never got it. I'm like, could it, could it have to do with, you know, and I do, I'm, I'm really, you know, routine about taking things like vitamin D and vitamin C, you know, yep. during cold and flu season, but I do probably eat cleaner than anybody else in my family. <laughs> so I'm like, huh, this is interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Um, cause I used yeah. to get sick all the time. So, yep. Yep. wow. Well, that I, is I, fascinating. I, I, the last time I got I got the flu was right before I made the switch over to the current 
nutrition regimen that I'm following, low carb and then keto and all those things. But I got a horrific case of the flu about seven years ago. And uh, I was just so sick for days, you know, and just, uh, I didn't go to the hospital, but I felt like I was this close to it. I've never been that sick before. And so, and uh-huh. since then I haven't had the flu and um, I'm, you know, knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> I can't say that it's because of that, but I, I like you, I can't help feel like, look, I'm doing all the right things. The science that I read supports it. I'm sure that, that this is a big part of it. And I think for anybody who's just trying to be their healthiest, um, you know, following a, a sound nutrition program that keeps inflammation at bay, that now we know also helps to increase the level of the, the good, you know, fighter cells in your body uh, that, that, that attack invaders, uh, viral and, and bacterial invaders. Uh, we also know that it helps stop inflammation and it helps, uh, you know, mood. It's good for your brain, all those things. So yeah. it's sort of like this way of eating, I think, has a lot of benefits. And uh, when you couple that with exercise and all those things, it's, it's you know, certainly has to play a big role in our health and preventative medicine is the most valuable thing we can, we can be doing for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you're bringing awareness to that because I, I don't feel like that's emphasized enough, you know, and I think a lot of people, you know, think that they're, they're just powerless, you know, like they're, they're powerless with their health. And, and these are things, these are strategies, like little tools, like, again, like you said, like the post meal walk, that's just mm-hmm. one small tool, you know, yeah. um, maybe, trying to limit the carbs you have in a day. Like some, I'll I'll tell people maybe just picking a a complex carb for one meal out of the day instead of all three, you know, Um, or maybe trying out intermittent fasting. Like it can be these little simple changes that happen over time. And the better you feel, the more you're going to be motivated to keep doing it, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a a great motivator when you feel good and you're feeling healthy and you're feeling energetic, you want to kind of continue down the path that you're, do, that you're doing and not fall back into the traps that made you feel crappy or made you feel yes. uh, sick or that got you sick and, and all those things in the first place. Yep. Yeah. And I'll, uh, yeah. I'll, you're right. Got a little bit of time. I will tell one more story because I think you'll appreciate this. Oh, yeah. uh, right. I got roped in, you know, that, that coffee chain that I shall not name on this podcast, that really popular one that we see on every corner. <laughs> they have this new pumpkin cold brew foam thing. I don't know. I got, I, I went for it. I was like, gosh, I haven't had anything pumpkin flavored and, and that sounds really good. And I got it without the extra sweetener. Cause I know how I do with sweeteners. And within 30 minutes of drinking that thing, I felt horrible. Like I felt total brain fog, total, um, just like it was a mood dump. And I thought, well, this is weird. That has caffeine in it. You would think that I would feel the opposite, but I did not feel well. And I know it was because even though they took out one of the sweeteners, who knows how many other thousand sweeteners are in it, right? Like to make that whatever (laughs) stuff is at the top, but I'm like, to me, that's not worth it. And that's where we all have to figure out for our own bodies, like what is good, what is worth it to you and what is not worth it. I'll tell you that drink is not like it, it really kind of ruined my day. Cause I was like, man, I don't, I don't feel motivated to do anything now. You know? <laughs> um, right. and, and so I just, it's funny how one little thing can trip us up, but as we start making changes, that is something to be aware of. Like I am not 100% perfect eater, but I will say I, I noticed things that I didn't notice in the past and it happens right. like that, you know? So uh, yeah, <laughs> had to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's a great point. I'm glad you, you mentioned, it. I mean, yeah. And I agree like taking small steps, you know, people tend to think they have to go to extremes 
and you, and you don't, you know, and that's why I tell people like, yeah, I, I'm a fan of the ketogenic diet. I personally don't practice a full true ketogenic diet. I eat low carb. I mm-hmm. try to eat, you know, I try to eat healthy fats uh, at every meal and I try to have quality, some quality protein and and vegetables, you know, and th- those are all, the, those are the staples of my diet. Occasionally, yeah, I'll have some potatoes or occasionally I'll have, um, you know, some chips, uh, you know, and things like that. I just don't do it every meal and I try not to do it every day. Right. And, and right. just making those things where, you know, you're, you're, it's not that you can't ever have that stuff, but if you limit it and the majority of the meals that you have, have a quality protein source, good, healthy fats and vegetables, you're going to, you're going to be light years ahead of, of where you are if you're eating processed stuff right now and yeah. eating things like, you know, those, you know, giant coffee drinks with, uh, you know, 32 squirts of sugar in there that, mm-hmm. that you know, we talked about. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, and, 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 and you'll, you'll just feel so much better. So I, yeah. I encourage people to, to try it. Yeah. Try it for 30 days and see if you feel, if you notice a difference, if you feel a difference, yeah, we can do anything for thirty days. Yep. Just get, yeah, and it, and then say at the end of that thirty days, am I better than I was before? If you are, let's keep going, and you will be. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love that, and it's a great time to tie in your book, the ketogenic key, because that's another thing I appreciated about the book is it talks about you know all the different ways that we can right. have key, activate the ketones and and all of that, and it doesn't have to be like this really strict thing, but, um, there are a lot of different ways to do that. And the book is awesome. So if you want to, where can people get the book? If you want to share a little bit more about the book, we talked about it before, but I think right now is as good a time of any to, to have people pick that up and, and see how helpful it can be for them. Yeah, no, thank you. That's a great segue because you're right. You know, I was just talking about how I don't necessarily do a ketogenic diet. And that was the reason we wanted that my wonderful author, co-author, Dr. Lori Shemek, uh, who many people have probably heard and she's been on your podcast before. Uh, you know, she, you know, we wanted to write a book that was different than just another keto diet book. And the yeah. thing is that she's, she's pro ketones, but she also doesn't necessarily do a ketogenic diet. She has. But but isn't you know and, and I have too and we realized well what if we make the focus of this book the fact that look here's how to do a ketogenic diet but there's other ways to get into ketosis and we you know if you use a combination of low carb nutrition whether it's true keto or or just low carb but not low carb to the point of being ketogenic and you also do intermittent fasting and you have some exercise strategies and or you supplement with with exogenous ketone supplements you can achieve ketosis and get the benefits of having ketones uh, on you know, all their, all, all the benefits that come with them, which we talk about at length in the book uh, for your brain, for your, for your body, um, all, all those things. And without necessarily having to be on the super rigid strict diet. Now, you know, we do go over the diet. We talk about foods you to eat and not eat. If you want to do that, we have recipes that are keto friendly and all that stuff. But, you know, again, I'd say I'm probably, you know, 90 percent i'm keto ish like 90 percent keto <laughs> and the yeah. other 10 percent i'm not you know and, and yeah. it works out great i feel awesome uh I, i've got tons of energy i don't feel like i'm missing out on things you know if i ever occasionally want to have if i want to have a piece of pizza i'll have a piece of pizza um you know but 90 90 of the time i'm, I'm strict and and follow 
this, this way of eating and it just works out really well along with the fasting and all those things that are good for your brain, uh, good for autophagy. So your body cleans out all that dead cells and debris. So yeah, they can get the book. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's called the ketogenic key and it's available in Kindle and in soft cover. And, uh, man, we're just, you know, we're getting all kinds of, uh, feedback and reviews, uh, and positive, uh, exposure to the book. And it's just, it's, it's an absolute thrill to be able to share this information with people. And then, you know, they're, they've got my information. They can reach out to me if they've got questions and, you know, uh, take advantage of the fact that you've got a fitness nutrition coach here who wants to help you get healthier. For sure. Yeah. And your website, remind me, it's, it's Keto Steve, right? Is your website? Yeah, ketosteve.net. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm just getting it up and running. So it's a little bit sparse right now, but uh, I'm going to be doing a lot more blogging and things like that out there. Awesome. Um, and I also, if they, if they go to Facebook, uh, Facebook at Keto Steve is also my Facebook page that I share a lot of information out about. So happy to connect with them there. Awesome. Well, this is such good information as always. Um, and I just, I, I like that I, you know, you just are really good about sharing the science, but also the practicality, which it's kind of sometimes hard to blend those two. So I appreciate oh. the way you do that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I hope that's the case. And that's what I want to do is just, I want to try to demystify this stuff. So it's easy for people because we do tend to, like you said earlier, we do tend to overthink it. We do tend to overcomplicate it and it doesn't have to be that way. Um, but it's so important for people to eat better and to exercise and do the things that will make them feel better and, and help them with all the other struggles. So there's enough stuff going on. We don't need bad nutrition and, and bad exercise habits to yes. contribute to it. Yes, absolutely. And this is the time of year when we really need to utilize these tools the most because there's a lot going on. This is the time of year and this is the year, you know, 2020 <laughs> has been insane. Yeah, so sure. I, I appreciate your knowledge and for being willing to come in and take the time to talk about all these things. So thank you again. Oh, anytime. I love it. Maybe I'll be back for round three. Thank you for having me on. I love your stories and I love the way that you're bringing this out to people. So thanks, Aaron, for having me on your show. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those. <laughs>